Listening to the SDSU Football Podcast, presented by the East Village Times, with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the SDSU Football Podcast. I am Andre Hagverdian, and I'm joined, as always, by Paul Garrison. Uh, hope you guys are having a great start to the summer. Uh, This is episode 26, following our special Father's Day episode uh, 25, which was with uh, Drew Amavai, father of Leo Amavai. In this episode, we continue our discussion about the Polynesian culture, Samoan culture, with tight end coach for San Diego State, Savai Esalu, who, if you recall, Drew Amavai mentioned in his interview as one of the key reasons why the family, the Amavai family, decided that Liu would be committing to San Diego State. Uh, Paul had a great opportunity to chat with uh, Coach Estelu uh, recently. Uh, I was unable to make it, but Paul was able to hold down the fort solo with his interview and hope you guys enjoy it. Well, welcome him to the podcast today. Savai Estelu, Coach, how are you doing today? Yeah, Paul. Hey, man. I appreciate it. I'm really grateful to be a part of this. I'm doing as well as can be, kicking and ticking. You know how it goes. And we're, we're, we're pushing along. Now, take me back a little bit, man. Before coming to SDSU, you were the head coach um, of your high school alma mater, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Monolua High School. Um, yeah. what, what was it like being able to take over for that program? Uh, well, I, I'm an alum of Monolua. Uh, graduated uh 2007. Uh, and uh, got a chance to play ball and then came back home and I wanted to, you know, build it from the ground up. Uh, it was really good fun. It was really good fun. I mean, of course, like anything, it comes with its challenges, comes with its issues, uh, comes with its parents, <laughs> you know. But, uh, um, I mean, it was, a, it was a eye-opening opportunity. Uh, it, personally, to me, it was the ability to understand the ground up. You know, and really, you know, being boots on the ground, so to speak, and being able to really harness your ability to to, to outreach, you know, and get these kids going. And, you know, now here and, you know, it's, it's essentially the same thing, just at a much higher level. So you talk about building it from the ground up. Um, the high school had not had a winning season in six years prior to you getting there. Um, and it wasn't a quick turnaround two years. You also had a losing record. Then that third season, you go on that magical run to the state title. Um, what, what do you remember about just that turnaround ground up and then being able to see the response from the players and turning them into, into winners there again? Yeah. So uh, in the beginning, it was rough because first off is a culture change. You know, you try and fix, you know, the overall atmosphere of the kids before you start trying to fix the kids football aspect first off um, that was a little rough um, in the beginning as in anything and it kind of peaked around that three-year range where it ends up okay bang it, it's it's starting to hit now and you know we finally got it going we went nearly undefeated and we did it again the following year um, that was that was that was truly something special because you can see the growth in a lot of these kids 
you know, you can see the growth of the culture. And it's kind of funny and not really funny, but it's actually really important on how, you know, we love our culture here at State. You know, and you talk about the culture, the culture, the culture. It's so true and it always will hold true. It will stand the test of time. And it's it's been it's been uh, uh, really encouraging for me to see it done at this level, uh, knowing that I had something of a sliver of similarity at, you know, the lower level of, of, of high school. Before getting into that culture, man, I, I got to know about the 21 to 20 double overtime state championship game that got defi- decided oh, on man. extra points. I mean, that was there. There's, there's still a blog. If anybody wants to Google it, that just goes blow by blow. I mean, <laughs> this has got to be one of the craziest football games that's ever been played. I mean, what is your recollection of, of that game and then being able to come out on top? Oh, I remember that game like it was yesterday. Um, oh, we had everything against us, all odds stacked against us. You talk about uh, things going wrong off the field throughout the week in terms of academics, in terms of girlfriend drama or whatever, trying to you know get these kids to be even keeled and prepared and locked in. I mean, we had an easy dose of everything. Uh, then you fast forward to the game. We started super strong. We tried to run. Um, we try to air it out. I mean, the whole season, uh, that was that was our, our image was the air raid. And we had all the, the proper pieces in place. And our, our QB1 goes down. He gets nailed diving into the end zone, like completely out, out like a light UFC knockout style kind of shot. That's where, a lot, honestly, a lot of hopes dwindled right there. Um, game was paused for about a half an hour. We lost them. Ambulance came on the field at a lost stadium, uh, took him out. Uh, and then we, we we threw in our immediate backup, who was our slot receiver. And maybe five minutes of game time later, he gets hurt. You know, and uh, we were playing Lelehua, who's Lelehua Mules, and they're a solid team. They had a whole bunch of, they had a D line that, that could play all Mountain West, you know, all throughout that line. And, and we were getting crushed. And so we were trying to do a lot of damage control up until that point. Uh, we ended up kind of putting in a guy that never really played quarterback and fast forward throughout the game. Uh, my brother, who is a defensive coordinator, uh, he saved us a whole bunch and we're trying to, you know what, we're going to change it. We're just going to keep this game clock going and we'll see what happens at the end. Well, little did we know this bad boy is going to go into three overtimes. You know, it's, it, it was rough because, you know, by the grace of God, man, we ended up getting opportunities. Lelehua missed two kicks they missed two kicks to win it all and it was almost like a sign like holy cow we got to get this thing going so we throw in our third string quarterback a couple interceptions you know being a young guy coming up a couple interceptions um you gotta really see it paul i'm telling you man you gotta see it because the ball wasn't supposed to go where the ball went it trickled through two defenders they couldn't catch it one of my receivers are in the wrong spot and the ball falls in his hands. And then now the game is tied and our kicker comes up for the PAT. He nails it right to the middle, 21 to 20 game over. And that was the, that was for the OIA title for uh, the division one title. That was the first ever in school history. And to this day, it's kind of funny. Every time I go back home, they always talk about it. I'm like, Hey man, I, that was all the kids. That was all the assistant coaches. I, I just, I'm just a face. You know, it, was, it was good fun, though. 
Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like it was all the coaching off two defenders hands receiver in the wrong spot, but in the most perfect spot ever. Right. No doubt. <laughs> and I, I would doubt the receiver is going to tell it that way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, kind of more on a, like a, a somber note um, in th- this past March, while well, SSU was having a spring camp, um, there was the Memorial celebration of life uh, for Colt Brennan. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, he was your quarterback coach. You hired him to bring in as a quarterback coach. Could you just, uh, you know, just reflect on him and, and, um, just what you remember from him and what a big place he has in just the culture of Hawaii football. Yeah. Colt was solid, man. He was, uh, he was always about the kids. Um, he was always about the sport. Um, as everyone knows, he was a Colorado boy, you know, and he, he ended up, uh, ended up coming to Hawaii and from there had his, his time in Washington, um, with, uh, the Redskins at the time, now Commodores or commanders. And, um, he ended up really wanting to, teach these kids more so the Hawaii culture, you know, the, the, the loving nature, but yet the stern style of coaching. Um, and he had his, uh, no secret, he had his issues and it was kind of good that we all could be there to help him out and, you know, keep him occupied and keep him rolling and going. And then, uh, you know, as time moved on, we all kind of started branching off into our little avenues he decided to step away uh, from coaching. I mean, when we heard the news, man, it was uh, surprising. It was very surprising because we knew he was doing much better, much, much better. He was he was uh, living life to the fullest and doing the best that he can with what he could. I mean, that was definitely a big blow to Hawaii, you know, and all the kids growing up and then watching him sling the yard, sling the ball all over the yard everywhere. And it's like, I mean, one of the Hawaii greats and then, you know, forever est in history. So, you know, it was, it was really, truly something special to be a part of his journey as long, as well as, you know, vice versa. Truly thankful that I got a chance to, to work with him, work together and, and, you know, always, always cherish those moments. No doubt. And I mean, I think, you know, what we have heard, uh, we being, you know, uh, East Village Times over and over again, I think it's coming across in how you're in just the way you're speaking there. The, the word authenticity is thrown around about you a whole bunch, but we live in a day and age that is the opposite of that, where everybody is looking to say the right thing to where authenticity is a skill. It's something that people go to workshops to learn how to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is ironic, right? right. <laughs> how do you, how do you, I guess, not get caught up in the mess of all the tricks and all the stuff and have like your actual authentic self come across to, you know, these kids that you're trying to influence. Uh, well, first off is my faith, you know, my faith in Christ. And it's always, always been, you know, a, a huge pillar of success. Matter of fact, the, the, the main pillar of success and uh, what we do or what I do uh, in this profession, you know, and honestly, I could take that word out uh, profession. It's to me, it's not really a profession. It's, you know, heart of a servant, servanthood. And, uh, you know, along with my faith, going back to my upbringing, you talk about the Polynesian style, that's exactly what it is. You know, it's, it's, it's heart of a servant, servanthood, authenticity of servanthood, because, I mean, you try and fake the funk in a poly family, you'll get slapped and you'll, you'll get, you know, it'll, everything will get corrected, you know, and it'll be corrected in a heartbeat. And, um, you know, that's, that's, 
what I, you know, I, I love, I love it now when I look back because, I mean, how you do anything is how you do everything. And if you have the right motive, you have the, the right mindset, you have the right heart, you know, as you alluded to earlier, it can't be created or manipulated if that's the right words, because it just has to be instilled from the ground up, from your upbringing, you know, and, and it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's ironic how people go to, you know, seminars and stuff to, to learn to learn authenticity, you know, but I mean, you, you already got it, you know, you already got it is what I firmly believe. And, and that's, that's, you know, the upbringing and the culture. I mean, so tell me a little bit about, more about that culture because, you know, we are more isolated than ever before. Um, and yet, you know, the, that Polynesian, Samoan, um, Pacific Islander culture has been able to keep, I think, I think the, the phrase was Fa'a Samoa, like, like that Fa ability, Samoa, yeah. to, the ability to, 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 to live and to work and to excel, not just for yourself, but for everybody. Um, sure. And how, how has that, how has that servanthood, how has that been able to stay alive when there's so much that is trying to, I guess, push you to a different direction? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, especially in, in today's climate of the world. Oh man, it's, it's hard because you talk about the elders, you know, the elders in the Samoan culture instilling it down to, you know, the next generation, which would be my parents and uh you know continuing that trend but all the while not trying to accustom to what the world does on a natural uh scope of things you know fasa is, is is essentially a way of life you know that's essentially what it means you know it's 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 the Samoan way of living and it's kind of funny everyone talks about you know doing the rock johnson you know talking about all that and, and it really is true you know because uh uh, no matter what stage you're on in life, whether it's complete, uh, complete, uh, what's the word, uh, knowledge of, of, of the culture, or it's being a part of the Samoan culture because you have Samoan blood, you know, it's, it truly is a way of life to where everything you do will be reflected back on your last name, if that makes sense. Everything I do will reflect back to the SLU family. You know, everything Troy does or did will reflect back to the Polomalu family. You know, you know, it's not even just in the Samoan culture, just the Polynesian culture in general. You talk about the Lakalakas, you talk about the Fiasels, you know, you talk about all the polys that we have on our squad. You know, it all goes back to the family, you know, and utilizing football and kind of enter football. Um, this would be the tool to help the family, you know, and now you also tie that into your faith. You know, this would be the avenue to elevate God, to elevate Christ and to be able to, to showcase what our culture is about, which is faith, family, and <laughs> as funny as it sounds, football, you know, and, and, it truly is, it truly is a way of life, especially in, in Fasa Amor and being able to carry your family, carry your culture and representing your culture. And, you know, it, it really is something special. And in my, in my personal opinion, shoot, I think it's what this world really needs, you know, 
you know, really needs a lot more of that, a lot more love, a lot more heart of servant, you know, and, and, and just, you know, taking care of each other and not always, you know, because this is always good at some points, there's, there's time and place for it, but not always looking out for yourself, you know, uh, trying to help everyone elevate together and move along in, in a proper, proper way. Now, one person who spoke very highly about you was uh, Andre Amabai. And he, he said, point blank, he said, you know, if you weren't a member of the San Diego State staff, Liu would not be going here, would not be going to San Diego State. He's, he said that, that you were, that, that he was handing Liu off almost like to the staff. And he wanted the staff there. Um, you, Coach Eklinski, spoke very highly about in this exact same manner that, that, they care for Liu in the same way that he does. The idea here, I think I'm hearing, is that he can trust that in you because he knows that everything you do is going to reflect on the Esalu name. Is, is, am I hearing that right? That's 100% correct. That's exactly what it is and, and, and what I've told Liu. And, you know, it's kind of funny because in, in the poly culture, it's kind of, I guess you can call it a running joke. But you know, everyone, it's funny, it's still funny. Everyone is related, <laughs> you know. And you know, when uh, when Tua, who's actually our cousin, <laughs> everyone the running joke was, Well, Tua's my cousin all throughout Hawaii. Tua's my cousin, no, Tua's my cousin, Tua's my cousin. Well, Tua's actually my cousin, <laughs> you know. And um, it is so important and so vital, you know, especially for Drew, especially for Liu and all my family to feel that, well, Liu is my relative and we're going to treat it as such and we'll go from there, hmm. you know, and all the while understanding the authenticity, as we spoke about earlier, the authenticity of, you know, carrying ourselves as Samoans, carrying ourselves through the Fasamoa way is truly a cornerstone of who we are. It's just a plus that we're all big. It's a plus that we're all strong. It's a plus that the genetics are solid in, in, in the Samoan family. Um, but again, greater things beyond that in terms of heart of a servant, in terms of you know uh, uh, ingenuity, smarts, all those kind of things. We're starting to put everything together and not just go with the usual stereotypical Samoans are huge, they're athletic, you know, they're, they're, they're muscle guys, you know, all those kind of things, you know, we're putting a lot more components in this thing, you know, to where now, shoot, we got guys pitching for the pods, baby, you know, Manaya, shout out to my man, you know, and, 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 you know, we got Tony Finau in the, in the PGAs and, you know, it's at some point we'll get on the ice, brother. We'll, we'll be able to go go be hockey guys too. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, so talking about this culture and this way of being, it doesn't work unless you have a head coach who embodies that himself and who allows that kind of freedom of the personality of his coaches to come out. So could you just speak about Coach Hoke and, and just how he facilitates and embodies a lot of this stuff, but also how he gives you the freedom to, to be that authentic person that you are? Yeah, no doubt. You know, uh, Coach Hoke, I'm a firm believer. He's a, I think Coach Oak's Polynesian. He's got to be Polynesian. There's, he's got to be Polynesian, you know, because uh, the, the, the way he carries himself, 
you know, the way that I've, I've seen his track record, uh, the way that he works every single day, it really exemplifies and, and resonates who we are, you know, as, as, as Polynesians and, and, and what we stand for. And I swear, you, 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 you stay with Coach Hope for 10 minutes. You're going to feel the love. You're going to feel the respect. You're going to feel the honor. And you're going to feel the hospitality in any way, shape, and form, you know, from him. And, and that's why I, I, I'm truly grateful for him, you know. And, and to me, I mean, within this profession and, and, you know, just speaking bluntly, I mean, yeah, you know, everyone gets paid very well in this, in this profession. But to me, you know, coming from the ground up, loyalty is a huge thing. Loyalty is a top thing, you know. And the way that I see him, you know, and the way that I, I, I pretty much see him as, as what we call Uso, a brother, you know, and like an older brother to me, and, you know, almost like a father figure to where it's like, you can learn so much from him within his respective culture, but the way he carries himself, you know, you're dealing with a poly. You know, if that, if that, I know it's kind of funny the way you say it, but it's it really it's hard to explain because it really is that you know the way I feel and the, the way I speak and the way I, I see him, it's important that the head of the family knows what he or she wants, and it's important to understand that within the realm of the Polynesian, it's being conveyed that way. You know, it's not simply do as I say, but it's also do as I say because I'm doing it too not so much do as I say, not as I do, you know, and, and that's, that's a huge, a huge uh, point of emphasis for me. And I, that's what I always tell all the boys that when I go back home to recruit, I'm like, bro, I, I don't think there's anybody that's like him in terms of the way he, he carries himself. And, you know, he is someone, he is Tongan, he is, you know, he's Polynesian. My man is a poly. You know, it's kind of funny. He's an honorary poly, and we're going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that there, there could be a higher uh, compliment. And so it's it's just that that you see in him the same embodiment of he is being the head coach at San Diego State, not for himself, but he is doing that for other people, and the reflection of of what that does for the family and the community that's there. Yeah, no question, one hundred percent. You know, he's he's done a tremendous uh, a job. And, um, you know, I, I fully believe that he will continue to elevate San Diego State together, you know, and not just, oh, I'm going to get mine and I'm out of here. Shaka, aloha, I'm out, you know. It's, you know, he's, he's here to stay and he's, he's here to really elevate all of us, you know, and that's what's key. You know, you talk about, you know, the leader in the Samoan family. That's essentially what it is. We're going to elevate all together, all 9 to 17 kids together. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And you, you guys listening out there, you know, Polly's got big family. So, yeah, no doubt. Um, so, I mean, so talk about, you know, you, you mentioned the recruiting part of it. Um, has that become more of an emphasis maybe um, in the last few years? Because, I mean, there's a deep history at San Diego State of, uh, you know, I'm thinking of like Ed Emo with 2015 uh, Hall of Fame inductee from Samoa. His, if you have not had a chance, uh, listeners, to Google that name and to listen to his induction speech, it is as funny 
as authentic and as amazing as you, I don't want to steal it, but like somebody from Samoa that he didn't think was going to make it in time shows up halfway through, he stops and just like, that's the most important. The only thing tells this great anecdote about how he, he accidentally came to the United States. It is fabulous. But this, this history that is in San Diego state, I mean, how has, you know, that recruiting emphasis, how are you trying to tap into all of these things um, at, with the Aztecs? Well, that's huge because everything is relationships, especially talk about recruiting. You know, it's it's not it's not ever been, uh, you know, the glitz and glamour here, you know, and that's what I love about Coach Hoke, Coach Hall. You know, it uh, what you see is what you get. We ain't blowing no smoke. And this is if you want to be a part of crew that works, let's do it. You know, and uh, it's important to understand that you know, with, with Coach Hoke and the way that all of this is embodied in terms of recruiting, he's really wanting to make a huge staple in the Polynesian lifestyle, in the Polynesian culture, wanting to make sure that there's a solid presence of Polynesians in the locker room, you know, because, I mean, just like anything, I mean, a football team is a family, you know, and, and you know, a family, you know, it ain't perfect, you know, as in anything in life, but on the same end, if you have great character people, you know, you have, you know, great, you know, background uh, young men with, with solid families that, that have brought up the kids and in solidified upbringings, um, the chances of your success is much more greater, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, football is an extension of, of shoot, the Polynesian life, you know, and that's exactly what it is. And then, it truly is a breath of fresh air to to see someone like Coach Hoke really pushing that angle, you know, and not just Hawaii, but American Samoa, you know, all the far stretches that that you know he wants us to go, and um, you know, it is never just me going and going back home, and you know, everyone you know knowing everyone, uh, but it's 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 me, you know, representing Coach Hoke. You know, and, and like I said, loyalty is, is huge. And I'm loyal to San Diego State no matter what. You know, we're gonna we're gonna keep it as such and we're gonna roll like that no no matter what. You know, and that's the authenticity, the the ability to build relationships in that manner is all key points that you know we push. You know, we're gonna tell them. We ain't got facilities like you know, such and such school. You know, we may not have money like such and such school. We may not have NIL money. Like it don't matter, you know, because our, our perspective is the weights are heavier with rust on it. You know, lift it. You know, you're going to run the same lines as Alabama runs. Run it. You know, and, and that's what I so love about the Aztecs, you know, is the attitude, but in a good way, you know, the, the camaraderie. And just that solid living of you tell me when, you tell me where, and I'll be there first. We're going to scrap this thing out, and either I'm going to get knocked out or you are. The way we prepare, we're ready to rumble at all times. And shoot, Aztecs and Polynesians too. Let's go. You know? <laughs> no doubt. Oh, okay, I love it. So, okay, so you mentioned, you know, Hawaii. You mentioned The Rock. Um but what, what other place are we talking like what Washington, Colorado, Utah? Yeah. yeah. So you talk about the big presence, of course, California, a lot of Polynesians have flocked uh, from Samoa, from Tonga, 
shoot, from Fiji, New Caledonia, Micronesia, a whole bunch, Tahiti. You know, a lot of them have flocked, of course, to Hawaii being kind of like, I guess you could call it the halfway point, continuing on across the pond into California. Now, you look anywhere and everywhere, as low as Tula Vista and as high as, what is it, that was the, the base of Canada? Tacoma? No? Something like that? I can't. I, I got to work on my, my geography. But it's all, that whole side is all polys everywhere. Uh, and, you know, as I, as I, as I talk about it, you, you think about, for whatever reason, he's popping in my head, you talk about Ray Malaluma. And he pops up in, in Eureka, California, in little old Eureka. It's like, wait, there's a poly over there. Like, yeah, it's like everywhere, you know. And so our 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 hope and our, our desire is to stretch as far as, of course, all of California, push up to Oregon, push up to Washington. And now we got Coach Enna, you know, who's he, he's Samoan too. And now we got Utah, you know. So if we can build that picket fence, which – you know, we feel that, you know, that picket fence is there for San Diego. We build a picket fence in Utah. We build a picket fence in all of Polynesia, including Hawaii. It's going to be dangerous with what we got, you know. And shoot, we already got a picket fence in Texas with Coach Coop, Coach Hort, you know, Coach Kyle, Coach Hall. Oh, bro, here we go. That's all the pieces right there. <laughs> there is, there is, there. But uh, turning our attention to, to, to the tight end room at least on paper, it is the most highly decorated recruiting-wise, one of the most highly decorated recruiting-wise positions on the team. Why are, and and they come from everywhere. I mean, you got kids from all over the place who want to come be a tight end at San Diego State. Um, What is it about playing tight end as an Aztec that so many of, of these highly decorated highly sought after recruits um, that they want to come to San Diego and they want to be Aztecs. The physicality. That's the key thing is physical, you know, because anybody can go run around and catch a ball. You know, that's, you know, being a tight end, it's, it's, in my opinion, it starts from the trenches, you know, and if you're willing to get your face in on action, then I can work with you. You know, we all can work with you, but, you know, and I love what Coach Coop says, and I steal this from him all the time. If he ain't going to bite as a puppy, he ain't going to bite as a dog. You know, and if he ain't willing to put his face in action and be a part of the front five, I don't want him. You know, because like I said, yeah, we can detach him, we can get you out in space and shoot. Joe Schmo can do that, you know, but it's a different kind of beast in this sport to run it like Aztecs do. And that's, on defense, that's stopping the ball, stopping the run, rather. And on offense, that's pounding the hell out of this rock. You know, and you tie that into the NFL. I mean, look, man, I mean, that's exactly what it is. You know, and I mean, you look at Big Belly, you know, you look at guys from previous years, Kahale, you know, Houston, Escobar, you know, and even, uh, his name is he made me right now. He plays tackle for the Niners. Right. Um, help Brunskill. me out. Brunskill. Daniel Brunskill. Yes. 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 Brunskill. Dave, throw David Wells in there. I mean, oh, no Wells. Problem. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's like, man, it, the, the, the history of the tight ends here, you know, because it's a very unique position, right? Uh-huh. And especially if you're going to go NFL style offense, like how we do, I mean, you can't, 
you cannot be a donkey and, and expect to run this this position flawlessly. You know, you're you guys have seen previously in years, we move everywhere. You know, the formation changes. You know, sometimes we help set protection, sometimes we help, you know, this, that, this, that, this. It's like it's a never-ending thing, you know. And and that's what I tell the boys in the room is I say, guys, you gotta be on point with everything because at any second the surface can change and you gotta be able to help the quarterback. You got to be able to help the front boys online. But then all of a sudden, the very next play, now you're out detached with Coop's guys, and you got to be able to try your best to run like Coop's guys. You know, because if you don't, then, I mean, we we all hurting each other. You know, it, you know it's, it becomes a dangerous point. And that's what I love about the tight end position here at San Diego State is that's the expectation. You know, it starts from the trenches, and we build it up from a detached standpoint. You know, so... I mean, I'm excited for for what we have in the room right now. And like you said, all walks of life from everywhere. I mean, Texas, Florida, uh, at some point, Hawaii, hopefully, we'll see, you know. But, um, I mean, again, it's it's physicality is first. Of course, size, yeah, man, you would love to get the 6'5-plus guy that runs a 4'8", a 4'7", four, 4'6", four, 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 whatever. But all the while, keeping in mind that so is the other 100 60 or 80 whatever schools in d1a is gunning for you know and uh you know it's important as long as they're you know six four and above you know not a forever 40 and you know we're going forward then we can work with it but the main thing is is physicality the main thing is willingness to you know get your face in on action and, and let's duke this out well i mean you've already mentioned it but somebody who um it's no stranger to this podcast. We've had him on a couple of times, um, but Daniel Bellinger, his his uh, start to his NFL career. Um, there's been a lot of positivity around that. A lot of first team reps. A lot of those comments that you just made, where they're surprised with how much variety he is able to play with. So, just tell us what was it like coaching him the last couple of years. He was an extra coach, honestly. That's the first thing that I always say about it. Belly was was he was exceptional in in just about every avenue of of life as a San Diego State Aztec football player. I mean, he was always doing the right things. Um, in the weight room, he was always working hard with, with the, the responses from Coach Hall uh, on the field, training. Uh, he's always in the in the film room. And like we'd be finishing staff meetings after our practices, and I'm like, Belly get out of here go home you know and he's like no coach you know look at this guy you know i think i might have gotten a tweet and i'm like brah it's like 9 30 already get out of here go grab a burger and call it a day my man you know but he was 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 truly i mean the standard in my opinion and, and you know being able to formulate guys in terms of recruiting based on that standard um, I'm excited because now the other guys, you know, the the uh, the Jay Rudolphs, the Aaron Greens, the Gus McGee's, the Cameron Harples, the guys that got a chance to sit in the room there, you know, J.P. Murphy, all those guys, they can see how it should be done, you know. And and you talk you talk to Benny, he credits it to all the other previous tight ends in in there, you know, prior to my arrival, and it's all been the same way, you know, and. You know, being able to uh, uh, talk with a few tight ends uh, from the past that came by, 
you know, and you can feel it. Like you really can feel it as, as, as weird as it sounds. You just, you feel what they bring to the table. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm talking about Parker Houston and um, running into the spring game and just little interactions and stuff. It's, it's, it is, it's palpable. Like you said, you it's, it is something that, that you can be around, but um, another person we had on here um, was Connor McBride and um, Connor is as good of a dude as, as there can be, but he just got, um, he's moving on to a career in education, just got yes. accepted into a, a credential program. Um, and so he's going to be, you know, shaping lives that way. Um, as, as a coach, how much pride do you take um, when your players go and they succeed in other things off the field that, that, you know, I guess aren't completely related to football? Sure. Yeah. No, I, I take tremendous amount of pride in that because I mean, again, how you do anything is how you do everything. And, and the way you carry yourself uh, off the field and representing that Aztec, you know, symbol, logo, colors, you know, being an Aztec warrior and representing San Diego State is, is huge to me, you know, and, and knowing that, you know, Connor is going to be, be maybe not so much doing the physical nature of an Aztec football player, but carrying on in the, uh, the classroom realm and all those kind of things. I mean, that's just as important, you know, because, you know, you look at all these guys all throughout Southern Cal and, and you talk about what school did you go or went to San Diego State and, you know, you, as soon as you, you say those words, it brings up, you know, a tremendous amount of memories, whether it's Marshall Falk or whether it's, you know, oh, I had my first date over here or whatever. There's, you know, it conjures up all these good things that you can pair it up with someone like Conor McBride doing it the right way in the classroom. And, you know, who knows? He'll be teaching, you know, the next generation of kids. And, you know, if he can teach the right things that he has, you know, constantly, you know, uh, showcased and learned here at San Diego State, I mean, shoot, we'll be, we'll be solid. This, this will be a better place, man. That's it, man. That's it. So, so take me into that room um, of the, the current group, um, starting with Jay Rudolph. I mean, you, you I think I, the standard, I think maybe could also be applied to him. I mean, he just, he just oh, goes yeah. in there and, and, and selflessly does everything that's asked of him. But, but tell us more about a little scouting report on Jay. Yeah, so Jay, he's he's kind of funny. I call him the silent assassin. My man is quiet in the room, but he's sharp. You know, he's sharp. And the thing about Jay is he he's not scared to to do anything. You know, he'll be able to to hold his own. He'll be able to handle his 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 job uh, to the best of his ability. And the thing about Jay is he's always wanting to be better. You know now. You can say that for all the kids that play college football, yeah. But Jay is a different cat. You know, he's 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 a different cat. He's he's not so much by verbal nature, but you know when Jay wants you to work, when he you, you can just see it. You know, as weird as that sounds. Um, now on paper, I mean, oh, that's not a tight end. He's you know six four. He's six three. You know. You know, he looks, you know, not even 245. I'm like, wait till my man play and you're going to feel the tight end. No worry. You know, it's coming. You know, and uh, that's exactly what they see with him. And he was, he was truly, he was, it, it's kind of funny. He's truly Robin to Batman, you know. And then, you know, I, we always, we always have a, a joke with him. We say, dude, you rarely get a pass this past season, but then all of a sudden, you get a touchdown like that. Like, what is going on? He's like, yep, that's all I need. We're good. We're perfect. I'm like, 
oh my man let's go <laughs> you know but jay is gonna be he's he's a staple man he's solid and you know it's my hope that we get to feature him more you know with what coach heck does and i mean coach coop's been solid man he's been you know he's been working with with uh well i shouldn't say he's been he's allowed us to work with him and his tight ends uh his tight ends his, his wide receivers rather and you know trying to formulate us in that mold you know <laughs> and, and help us you know extend that and and Jay's always done a tremendous job, you know, with with the the feedback that I get from Coach Coop, and uh, I'm excited, man. Jay is gonna be something special, and and you know, it's it's solid. Technically, he's a young guy, so right, I mean, he'll be here for a while. So, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, an, another guy uh, who's been fun the last couple of years to just see his body change. Um, Aaron Green, in in writing previews and things like that. I, I you know. I was like, is this guy a guard? Is this, is he, yeah. is he a big kid? And and, yeah. and but he but he still he always had soft hands. He could always get out and even even at a bigger size, he he could get off the line pretty well. And you're yes. just like, okay, this is an athlete. What is he going to do? But he has completely reshaped his body, and you wouldn't even guess this year sure. at practice that this was ever a you know he was ever bigger. So could you just tell us about Aaron and and the dedication and the player that he is? Yeah, so Aaron Green, he, he's he's uh, he's come a long way. I mean, you look at him in terms of body type; he's definitely a Y inline guy. My man is heavy-handed. He's he can strike. There are things that we are continuing to build, you know, with him in terms of true Y tight end stuff. Uh, but it was kind of funny, Coach Mike uh, Mike Goff and I would always approach Aaron when he came back and he came back out of shape and you know it's funny he'll be okay with me telling this out to the public but we was telling him Aaron you'd be a solid center right at this at this rate oh you'd be one solid sexy center bro. like let's go and I, it was kind of funny because it worked the whole reverse psychology worked on and now my man is down to you know in the in the 250 ranges and he's being able to to run with with the best of them and uh, he's understanding now that hey, I mean, shoot, I messed up. I came came back in a wrong manner in terms of body type, and then you know he's really tremendously grown. Um, he's worked hard in the weight room, and you can see it, man. My man looks sometimes looks like an action figure. I'm like, oh, take it easy, GI Joe, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, he's he's gonna be solid. He's he's a key he's a key piece because. I mean, we, we, we featured the 13 personnel, which is three tight ends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he got to, you know, smell some game a little bit and be able to, to, to jump in there. And being able to contribute in a far greater manner now is, is, is key. And that's what I've, I've been pushing with them, you know, is, is how do you make us better as a, as a squad? You know, it's not just, you know, wearing the jersey and having your last name on the back of it but how can you make us all better you know how can you keep us the pac 12 killer aaron's going to be special i mean he's gotten stronger he's gotten slimmer but at the same time he hasn't lost you know the mass that i would expect him to have as an inline y and um again going back to coach Coop, we're working with him and, and trying to make him as fluid as possible and if if we can get this down all together, he'll be uh, he'll be a sight to see with the ball in his hand or clearing the way for Coach Hortz, guys. There it is. Uh, what about JP Murphy? Uh, JP uh, JP has been been uh, 
putting his best foot forward. You know, he's been uh, uh, trying to, you know, find his groove of things, and he's he's going to be a solid addition. There is a big battle going on in the room, that's for sure, as we progress getting closer to camp. Um, so, you know, I, I'm excited to see where this, this pans out with JP. I want to see if he's going to answer the call. I want to see if he's going to really push it in terms of competition. I want to see if he's going to really push it in terms of physicality and go from there, you know, because again, you know, there may be a lack of certain things in certain areas for all these individuals, but at the same time, it's like, you know, what are your strengths and what, you know, what can you bring to the table and, and you know, play to that, you know, and, you know, it's our job as coaches to, to put them in, in solid positions that they can succeed. And so what are some of those strengths in, in JP's game? JP strong. I, it's hard because I'm looking at the sheet right now. He fluctuates between 240-ish area, sometimes 245 area. I was expecting him to be an inline Y based on his body type. Um, but he's starting to show like H style tight ends. And I mean, would love to, in a perfect world, I'd love to have, you know, H style guys, but Y style bodies and being able to just rumble with the best of them. Um, you know, his catching ability is key. You know, he's he's got soft hands, uh, great maneuverability. Um, would love to see much more uh, point of attack, you know, tenacity. Um, and again, that's a, a growing process. Yeah. Um, but there's there's slippers of it, and, and, and you know, he can contribute very well. Uh, you know, consistency with that and just, you know, going from there will, will be, you know, exponential for him. So how about Cam Harple? Holy cow. That guy can run. Yeah. Yeah. Harp. Harp is fast. Oh, all right. Harp can run. He's solid. And he's done a great job with Coach Hall, Coach Jurek. Um, he has done it. And I love what Hall says, man. It's like, bro, the boys got to do it. It's not us. The boys do it. And he's gotten big. You know, in a good way. He's got solid. And again, looking at that sheet, he's now about 236 to 238. Now, I tell him, I said, bro, if you're going to come in here and expect to handle a 270, 280-pound defensive end, I mean, bro, you're going to fold. Like, this is not going to be good. You know, but he has grown physically tremendous, exponential growth. And, you know, now it's it's a matter of putting it all together in terms of inline and watching how Jay does it, you know, and then he can be that huge contributing factor, special teams guy. He can help all the way, smart cerebral kid, you know. So, I mean, I'm excited with him and, and shoot, that's another Texas guy right there. And, yeah. you know, we'll keep it rolling with him. Uh, what about Gus McGee? Gus McGee. Okay, he's, he's a tricky one because he has the, the body of a Y, you know, and we're trying to see if he has, you know, he has the tremendous abilities of an H. You know, so, you know, he, what I just alluded to earlier, he would kind of, in my mind, he would kind of be that guy to where you have the body of a Y with the abilities of an H and the willingness of an Aztec warrior and get your face in on contact and just battle it out. He'll be key because, uh, uh, you know, he has gotten some abilities or time rather in the game uh, last season. So he's definitely got his, his feet wet. But now it's it's I mean, bro, you gotta grow up. We gotta be a big boy now and, and let's let's play. You know, so I I'm hopeful, you know, he can get going at the point of attack in the box. Uh he can hold his own though, don't get me wrong. 
uh, he'll be a huge addition because his his reach and his range is long and receiving. Now it's it's you know what you do with the ball because again you can catch anybody can catch will turn around and knock somebody out and get a first down. Right. You know and you know he'll be he'll be interesting to to see as he grows. Another person we've had on the the, the podcast Logan Tanner. What can you tell us about the young guy? Uh, enrolled early um, and competed this this spring. He's freaking strong. You know that guy's strong. You know now it's it's getting that what I call uh, and I've learned this what I call the race to maturity. You know, because technically he should have been, he should have been Powell's, well, Paul, sorry, I sometimes say Hawaii words. He should have been finished. <laughs> he should have been done with school. What is today? Well, a month ago, well, maybe just under a month ago. Right. Yeah. Last week. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. He should have been uh, enrolling or not enrolling, but moving in this week and going from there. But I mean, you know, the sky's the limit for him, you know, because he has every bit ability of an H. H tight end. He can flex out and he's already willing to get his face in on action. Uh, now, the expectation when I recruited him, well, when we recruited him, the expectation was he'll hit some extra growth spurt and get taller, you know, because right now he's pushing about 6'3, you know, 6'4 roughly, you know, but um, I'm expecting his playing ability to be far greater than that, you know, far greater than just tangibles and being able to contribute in, in a manner of, well, are you a receiver or are you a tight end? You know, you're such a tweener to where it's like, dang, you can, you know, do it all. Yeah. You know, when you see him, he's another, he's another action figure looking guy. I mean, that's solid, man. With, with Coach Hall's workouts, I mean, he's, he's really fully committed. And now it's, it's, it's putting it all together. And like how I said earlier, trying to, uh, I guess the best word would be adjust, trying to adjust his mind for mindset to the college level, you know, so should be interesting. Last, definitely not least, uh, transfer Mark Redmond. And Mark is every bit of a why, you know, he's solid. My man can catch and he can catch anything and everything. Uh, it helps that he's, you know, six, what, six, five, maybe six, six. Um, it also helps that he got super long arms. Uh-huh. Would love to keep him roughly where he's at. He's looking about 250s, 255s. I mean, my man is smart. Like he's he's very smart to where he's so knowledgeable to where he knows what's gonna happen pre-snap. He knows the likelihood of this combination block. He knows more than likely what's gonna happen here. It's like, dude, you're a, you're a, you're a different cat mentally, man. That's that's solid, you know. And and I mean, shoot, that that. That I say all that to say this that he'll he'll be able to put himself in great positions to succeed on the field, you know. And uh, I mean, his range is tremendous in the passing game. Uh, he'll be, I would expect him to be a big time target this coming season. You know, just just I mean, just sheer ability to run, sheer ability to to be able to catch with such a huge radius, and you know now. You know, it's my hope that when when we coach them up, we turn them into what I always tell them when I played. We turn them into like Jeremy Shockey style, you know. And it's so funny, and it's kind of funny that I'm here that Belly's at the top, that's the Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shockey was always the big guy that I always bring up when I played. And I was like, hey, bro, Jeremy Shockey, you know. Do they have like, any idea what you're talking about? Some do. Okay. And okay. they just kind of look at me like, 
who got shocked? Like, <laughs> I know, no, 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 Jeremy Shockey. Like, oh, and then I just go off on a tangent. Here, Tony Gonzalez, Jeremy Shockey, LG Crumpler, like, you know, all these guys. And it's like, oh, well, you never mentioned George Kittle. <laughs> you never mentioned, you know, Travis Kelsey. I'm like, brah, before the tight end unloaded, like how they've been unloading now, look at these guys. You know, and shoot, before my time, there was other guys too, but it's like, no, my specific thing is looking for the right guys that the Aztecs uh, ask for, you know, the guys that really block first mm-hmm. and get them out of space, but at the same time, play bully ball and don't get pumped when the ball is coming, you know, and, and that's what I love about the previous generation of tight ends, you know, and, and that's my hope that we can get this going and, and keep it flowing uh, here at San Diego State and then it's you know be that that huge focal piece because again it is a unique position and uh you're required to do the best of both worlds and you know it, uh, it's funny heck let us uh, get a snap from under center with Melia against uh Boise. Right, that's right. Oh um, yeah we can do it all baby give us a snap too man let us throw a ball now. <laughs> um last question man and you've been so generous with your time um new stadium man it's, it is around the corner. Um, you drive by, it looks like a stadium. Um, everything is coming together. What are just your general thoughts for the program and, and uh, what the new home is going to mean for the Aztecs? Well, first off, how excited and, and happy I am for San Diego State University uh, because, you know, to my take, football is your front porch. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to put an analogy of a home, but you know, now you you put in this actual literal home, and that thing is beautiful, man. It's it's solid. It's 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 perfectly set for the community. It's perfectly set for essentially us being the greatest show in town. Now that you know the Chargers, you know, kind of said aloha and went to you know Los Angeles, and I guess you could say it was sorely needed. You know. Um, but just seeing the, the 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 starting point, and from what I understand, you know, in its infancy, you know, this is what it is. This is the plan, and all this kind of stuff. And now you see it to fruition, and you see it. It's like, oh, bro, this is our home now. We're gonna, you know, you know, defend defend the mesa, you know, whatever it is, you know, we're gonna defend this bad boy, and it's gonna be ours, you know. And and that's what's so exciting, and that's what I feel from you know the San Diego State family here, you know, is uh. Don't get me wrong, we absolutely love that two-hour drive to Carson. That was the best in the world, baby. We love the traffic on a five, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be so exciting to see all of San Diego packing that house. No doubt. Thank you so much for um, the interview and for all of the insight. And, um, you know, great luck with the rest of the summer and everything that that – you are about and hope you were able to get maybe a, a week or two in there to, to decompress before fall camp, man. Solid Paul. Yeah, man. I really appreciate your time as always, man. You guys are doing a solid job and you know, we're, ex- we're expecting great things uh, from our program, you know, as, as we continue to uh, try our best to represent all of uh, you guys. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be something special because it's already been something special and let's keep, let's keep up in the ante. Our interview uh, for this episode was with uh, Aztec tight end coach Savai Esalu. Uh, appreciate Paul for taking this one solo. 
I was still uh, finishing up my uh, Euro vacation. Uh, wasn't able to make it, uh, but listening to it was definitely the the timing could not have worked out any better. Considering we had just spoken to uh, Drew Amavai uh, for the Father's Day episode, talking a lot about Polynesian culture and football, and and how he he knew had a relationship with Savai. Uh, and that helped Liu uh, commit there. And so I, I just thought the timing of it, it just worked out perfectly, um, having them on back-to-back. What, what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, the first thing is, as just far as the piggybacking from, you know, the conversation that we had with Drew Amavai, um, it, it, was, it was very eye-opening to hear basically the same comments about what the culture is, what's important, Excuse me. And I think that they also complemented each other very well. They, they put kind of twists to it and ways to it that, that allowed me to understand, you know, what each of them were talking about. So I think combined, it was just very educational, very, very good. As far as Esalu, I think, you know, his, his, we, we've, we're, we've been wanting to talk to him for a long time um, because so many of the recruits that we talked to, they mentioned him. As, as someone who's really authentic, who's important to them, who's somebody that, that they really enjoy being around. And it took, you know, all of, I don't know, it, it took asking questions about him as a high school coach, winning the game 21 to 20 and him doing all of that description to say, oh, this is what they mean. Um, and so just that he has that kind of a personality that even, you know, over Zoom can come across so personable, welcoming. Um, and, and so I just thought as a person, I think that's the biggest thing that, that jumped out to me about Savai. My, my favorite quote of the interview, and maybe it's the, my favorite quote of any interview on the podcast. Whoa. If you try to fake the funk in a poly family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was cracking up when I heard that. Yeah. Uh, when he was talking, you asked him about authenticity and he was talking about I, that. That was such a great line. Fit, fit exactly what he was talking about and what you had asked about, but it was just, um, I don't know. I, I love that line. And then him coming talking about how Coach Oak is like a yeah honorary Polynesian, you know, based on how the similarities with his, the Aztec way under Coach Oak with uh, the Samoan uh, Polynesian way. I just thought that was that was really good parallels, and uh, definitely I can see why a lot of a lot of recruits, a lot of players speak highly of him because of uh, he's well spoken, he's articulate, and he does come across very authentic and genuine when you're talking to him. Yeah, and I think though too, just to piggyback on, on what you're talking about, you know, he talks about how Polynesians they they can spot someone who's who's fake, yeah, amongst themselves. But then going back to what we talked about with uh, Drew Amavai and the necessity that somebody like Esalu being on the staff as one of the non-negotiables, you see that that same ability to kind of spot a fake elsewhere might not be as easy, right? And and so I thought that uh, that that contrast was 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 really interesting. I too appreciated the the comments that that he said about. Um, about Brady Hoke. And, um, you know, I definitely think that that's been our experience with him. 
um, that Brady has, has been very welcoming. And, and, you know, he says, you spend 10 minutes with them and you're going to see honor. You're going to see respect. You're going to see that. And those things do come across um, even, you know, at little media members at these village times, but pushing to the tied in room. Um, you know, I always like, I always like the, um, the, the, the way coaches speak, it's, it's always cracks me up because when you got the guys at the top of the depth chart, they just are glowing about them. They're just, Oh man, Jay Rudolph. Oh, Mark Redmond. Oh, you know, and then you start getting further down the, the, the thing. And they're like, well, you know, he does this good, but I'm also going to have to mention these things, you know, and, and just that constant thing of trying to get them to, to, to push and to be different. But I, I thought it was pretty exciting when he was um, talking about Cam Harple and the first thing that came out of his mouth was that dude's fast mm -hmm. because I think that that's kind of, and, and he even mentioned it. That's always kind of been a little bit of a, of a question mark about tight ends at SDSU. You know, are they looking for the guy who can just fly from that position? And so to have somebody who's that fast, um, I think, I think it's pretty exciting. What, what's, what jumped out to you as far as just his, his comments and assessment of the tight ends? Well, it's clear to me that Mark Redman is that primary guy that ex they expect to, to, to kind of replace Bellinger with that, that primary receiver role and blocking that number one guy based okay. on a lot of what he said. I, I thought it was interesting when he was talking about Logan Tanner, mm -hmm. how strong he is. Right. Which is something we didn't – I wouldn't have expected. I would have thought they would have been like, he's not strong because he's young He's more of a pass catcher and he's not a blocker, but he's another guy. Last episode, we talked about Liu adding 15 pounds during the early, during the spring. Yeah. It seems like Logan Tanner is another guy that kind of got under, got into the coach hall uh, mentality um, weight room. Um, and he's working on that. So he, he did say, you know, he has a race to maturity. He called it for yeah. him being so young. And he called him a tweener, right? A tight end wide receiver. So a lot of that, we all, we kind of all knew that part of it. Right. But I go back to that spring game and that one catch he had, you know, down the middle of the field for like 40 something yards. Yeah. That shows that he has the ability to get behind secondary, which I can't remember the last time a San Diego State tight end had that ability. At least it hasn't been since I've been watching San Diego State football. You watched a lot longer than I have. So. But I'm excited about him. It's probably not going to be this year. I, I think it's safe to say, Logan, unless there's a lot of injuries, that Logan's probably not going to have a lot of playing time this year. Uh, but moving forward, I think 23 and beyond, excited for his potential. Without question. And I think that that's exactly what you want to hear, right? When we were talking with him in this, the first interview before he got on campus, he, we were like, Hey, you know, you're in San Diego state. You're going to have to block. You're going to have to be physical. And he's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a really good pass catcher. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, but at San Diego state, you're really going to have to block and that's going to be right. And then we see practice number, you know, first, first press conference. And we, we of course brought him up. That's what they said. He's oh man, I think it was, I think it was um, Jeff Eklinski. And he said, you know, he's got a block. He's got it. We got it. Will he go in there? Will he put his head in there and, and really go there and hit? And he said, at the end of all of it, what he's known for is being really, really strong. 
And so I think that that's exactly what you're hoping that you would hear. And, um, you know, I think he also talked about hoping that there's maybe a, a growth spurt from him and that he gets a little bit taller um, down the road and becomes more of that, you know, prototypical Daniel Bellinger size kind of tight end. But I thought Aaron Green, I thought those were great comments. You know, the, the ribbing that the coaches would give him and, hey, man, you're going to be a great center. You're going to be a great center. But that he was able to completely change his body around. And I thought that was really good. And let's see, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Who else jumped out to you? JP Murphy. Yeah. Uh, talking about him, um, pushing through the competition, um, starting to show some H style, the traits, soft hands, great maneuverability. So he's, he's got potential out there um, as well. Uh, and Gus McGee um, has reached his range is long. So, he had obviously great things to say about everybody and some things that some of them are need to work on to get on the field, but the talent's there, maybe not a Bellinger, you know, fourth round draft pick next year talent, but there's some potential from some of these guys in a couple of years for sure. Yeah. And I think one dynamic that, that, you know, the offense likes to be right. They like to be varied. That's something that, that Jeff Eklensee likes to do except for the one catch for a touchdown against Utah, Jay Rudolph was not used at all. And the idea that they could potentially have two tight ends who could catch, I think presents the opportunity to be more varied. So, you know, whether, whether you, you know, you have a Y up on the line of scrimmage and then you also split somebody out and, and you have that ability to shift in motion and, and, and things like that. I think it just, it allows um, more of that, variety and you're able to spread them out and, you know, just use them in different ways. And um, obviously the more tight ends you get on the field, you know, you're, you're they obviously can block you, you know, you go into the RPO game. And if you have a, you know, a tight end up at the line and you have a tight end split out wide, and then you're able to run the bubble screen to the receiver, that's, that's two really good blockers out there, you know, coming down and doing those things. So, I mean, there's a lot of different variety that it can be. And I think with, Rudolph and with Redmond at the top, it, it presents something that, you know, they didn't have last year, which was um, if Bellinger wasn't in the game, there was not a threat from that position. And so that I think that, you know, obviously he played a lot of snaps, but being able to, to have that variety, um, being able to use the, the whole field, both sides, vary the looks that they give because of that. I think that's pretty exciting. Um, but I think, you know, you see, that this position does seem set up for years to come. I mean, all of these guys are so young. Um, Redmond, of course, being being the exception, but but even there, you know, he's got a few years. And and so, you know, it looks like it has the potential to be the strength, but then going back to the comment, you know, it's it's a race to maturity. It's a race to maturity. Um, where where are these guys gonna fill in on special teams? Where are these guys gonna fit in, you know. They talked about Aaron Green getting some snaps in the three tight end sets until Dom Godino came back and then he became that person. But now they're going to need Aaron Green to be that person, assuming, right? And so how do how does all of that stuff play out? I think it's it's uh, another position where the Aztecs are developing a lot of talent and that camaraderie and that competition, you know, in theory should make everybody better. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to do it for another episode. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed this one as much as we did talking to uh, uh, Coach Aselu. 
we're, we're, we're getting close to, you know, the start of the season, right? The, the grass is in at Snapdragon Stadium. Uh, a lot of excitement on social media when the, on the day that the grass is put in. Uh, we're less than three months away from game one. And um, as we get closer, in, as we get further into the summer, look out for some season preview articles coming out your way from Paul and I and the rest of the EVT staff. So exciting times as we get to uh, September 3rd in game one. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh, and we'll talk to you guys next time. You are listening to the SDSU football podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts, Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison.